You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Hoist the Colors podcast, a post-game, basketball post-game podcast. We are recapping an unfortunate ECU loss to the South Florida Bulls. They fall 69-63. to And joining me on this weekend's podcast is intern Lee, Lee Pizzatella. Lee, welcome back to the podcast, your second time. So uh, you should be a little more comfortable this time, right? Yeah, I do feel a bit more comfortable. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely, and uh, we're going to dive into this game, and uh, we've also got a couple of questions on the Hoist of Colors message board for our weekend edition podcast, but I uh, wanted to really focus on this matchup. I was hoping we could talk about an East Carolina win like we did the first time you hopped on. We talked about ECU's win over UNCW. Today, you know, a little bit tougher as the Pirates coming off a hard-fought loss, 69-63 to South Florida. ECU drops to seven and three, still a good overall record, but the unfortunate part now one and three in the American Athletic Conference. South Florida seven and five, and now three and three in the American. And and South Florida is a good team, uh, don't get me wrong, but I think ECU fans are frustrated because this is a game on paper ECU had a chance to win. I think it was a pick'em, or ECU was a one point favorite according to Vegas. The Pirates come up short at home. Lee, just your uh, initial thoughts as you watch this game from home. Kind of what were your takeaways uh, as you saw the Pirates come up six points short? Um, yeah, so I thought that I thought that we looked a bit sluggish, to be honest. Um, and I think there was a lot of factors that could, you know, go into that. Um, you know, with Jaden Gardner not starting, and then. Um, there's a few guys out and I think there are some starters that were out at the very beginning with foul trouble. So I think that we were just having a really hard time to find a rhythm and just, I don't know, get the game going. Yeah, it was, it was difficult and Jaden didn't start, um, which we didn't get in a, we didn't get a reason, uh, going into the game as for why he didn't start. I think the first time, maybe since his freshman year, he didn't open a game. I don't know if there was a game last year, but either way, uh, we learned after the game he he had been in concussion protocol early in the week, and then according to Jaden, he also was held out of practice later in the week uh, because he was a close contact, I guess, due to coronavirus. Um, he obviously passed the test. He was cleared to play the game, but he ends up playing 30 minutes, uh, 10 points, 10 rebounds. Um, but it, it was odd to see him not starting. As you mentioned, a few other players out, Tristan Newton, out due to COVID protocols, his second straight game mix miss. We'll get more into that in a little bit. Uh, and then Noah Farrakhan, the backup point guard, also didn't play. He has a groin injury. So, um, you know, some difficult circumstances for ECU. Uh, this is a, an, an interesting year in terms of COVID protocols, injuries, all that stuff. They haven't been able to get consistent practice time, which Jaden also let us know after the game that they didn't practice on Friday the day before the game, which I think had a a role in kind of ECU looking sluggish. As you say, uh, the Pirates only shoot 38% from the field and struggle offensively. But we'll get into that, Lee. I want to focus on at least some positive. So we're going to start with the good. 
and then we'll get into the bad. Uh, number one on my good list is pretty short, to be honest, but uh, Tremont Robinson White, he plays 34 minutes. He scores a career-high 29 points. Uh, really, without him, ECU didn't stand a chance today. Yeah, I think that he definitely um, he had a great game, and I think he's he was definitely the star of the show tonight. I think, yeah, like you said, if we if he we didn't have him, we would not stand a chance at all. He had a great game. Yeah, and w- without Newton um, playing and without Noah Farrakhan able to go, he had to play 34 minutes. He was the only true point guard uh, that was available for ECU and I thought played probably the best game of his career, at least from an offensive perspective, and did well defensively too. Um, and you hope, Lee, you know, uh, that he can really build on this performance. I mean, you would think coming off a, a career high and scoring that this will help his confidence moving forward, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I mean, I'd love to see him continue to have games like this. I think it would be – you know, extremely helpful. Um, so yeah, hopefully he continues to play this well. Number two on my positive list is Jaden Gardner. And, you know, he's also on my negative list. I'm going to get to that in a little bit, Lee, but, uh, we'll start with the good side of Jaden Gardner. Again, didn't practice all week, according to Joe Dooley, got a few shots up Friday, but that was it. And, you know, didn't have his typical game, but still 10 points, 10 rebounds, and I thought really kept ECU in the game. So what did you see out of Jaden specifically in the second half? Um, I mean, I think he always plays really hard. I mean, I think he always stands out. Um, I mean, and I think, I mean, I give him major props for not practicing much at all this week and still being able to go out and, I mean, get some points. Um, so, yeah, I think I think he works really hard and, you know, props to him for still coming out and playing without much practice. And the bad will start with Jaden Gardner. It's, and I don't want to, I don't know if I should term it as bad, but I guess compared to his usual standard of how good he is, especially in the past and what we all expected, um, again, 10 points and 10 rebounds, a double-double, nothing to scoff at, but uh, three of nine from the field, uh, turned the ball over three times. I think all those coming in the first half. It just seems like Jaden, you said sluggish earlier. It just seems like we haven't seen the Jaden Gardner we're so used and accustomed to seeing. And I don't know if teams are devoting more attention to him or what, but um, how important do you think it is, Lee, for him to get back to his usual self at some point and really start to maybe carry this team through some games they're struggling? I mean, yeah, I think that he definitely, yeah, he's not he's not standing out like he has in the um, previous in his previous seasons. And I mean, tonight that definitely could have been, you know, that he was on concussion protocol this week, so he might just not have been a hundred percent. But yeah, I think it's super important for him to kind of I maybe step up and be like he was in his previous seasons because I think he's definitely like a very he's a big team leader and I think the team needs him and obviously he's he's a great player so yeah hopefully hopefully he'll be able to get back to where he's been number two on the bad and this is kind of an unfortunate situation for everybody but Tristan Newton and Noah Farrakhan still out that's bad because it hurts ECU's depth you know Tremont did play extremely well at point guard, but when you're missing your your backup point guard, and especially Tristan Newton, who, in my opinion, is ECU's number two scorer behind Jaden, uh, it, it's going to be difficult. And this is two straight games ECU has missed Tristan Newton. And I think, to be honest, they have looked out of sync both games. So, 
Um, you know, we, we want to see more from Noah Farrakhan once he gets back healthy, but I think Tristan Newton is a big key that, that ECU is missing. So, um, you know, how, how much do you think having Newton out has, has hurt this lineup, Lee? I mean, I think it's – yeah, I think it's definitely hurt the lineup, and I think you can tell um, in the last previous games they, like you said, look a little out of sync. Um, Newton, obviously, is a huge – asset to the team um so I think they're definitely struggling to find a rhythm without him out there yeah I think it's and Tristan can really do it all you know he's six foot five Tremont is more of a guy who distributes typically I know he had a big offensive night tonight but uh I feel, I feel like they're just missing Tristan's calm presence out there and he just brings a different dimension to the store to the to the team to the floor I think he he can shoot it a little bit he can drive, he can score off the bounce, he can raise up and get a shot in different ways. So I think they're kind of missing that dimension right now and, and really his calmness. So I, I hope Tristan, it sounds like he's close, you know, talking to some sources uh, at the game today. He So he, he tested positive. He's been cleared of the virus itself. He was at the game today. He is going through the return to play protocol which has some uh, loop, some hoops and um, other stuff to jump through. And it sounds like Tristan could be back relatively soon, hopefully for the Cincinnati game on Wednesday. All right, three-point shooting next up on the badly. Four of 20 from three-point range. That is a 20% success rate. Am I right on that? You're probably better at math than me. Four out of 20. Yeah, you're definitely asking the wrong person about math. I don't, I'm not good at math, but yeah, that sounds right. We can go with that. Four of 20, 20% not going to get it done. And, and, you know, we talked after the UNCW game earlier this year, you know, the three point shooting was a question mark last year. They started this year so hot from three. And to not be shooting it well today, I thought, and again, in the second half, South Florida made a, a boatload of threes, especially early in that second half. I thought that was the difference in the game. They hit their open shots, ECU did not. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think, yeah, I think um, we struggled with three-point shots, and I think that was a huge factor into why we did not win this game. J.J. Miles, ECU's best three-point shooter statistically. He goes 0 of 4. Uh, Batumba Baruti goes 0 of 4 from three. Jaden Gardner took a three. He missed it. Miles James 0 for 1. Ty- Tyra Jackson 0 for 2 from three. Uh, Tremont Robinson White went three of six. He was about the only guy that had much success from three point range for ECU. Um, all right, moving on for our bad list, the big men, and I got two, two here. I'm going to list them together. Uh, the big men and the rebounding, because I feel like the big men for ECU, I mean, you've got three, seven footers on the same team and the pirates get out rebounded by South Florida. 41 to 33. Um, Luigi Debo and Charles Coleman each place uh, 11 minutes apiece, so they play 22 minutes total. They combined for zero points on 0 for 2 shooting from the field. Coleman also missed the front end of a one and run free throw. Uh, so, Lee, you don't get much production out of your big guys. And, and South Florida, conversely, didn't get a ton of production, but their big guys did score and make some plays. So, I thought that was the difference in the game. How about you? Yeah, I again, I definitely agree. I think, I think the things that we struggled with, um, and what South Florida did well with was a huge um, part of why we lost. I mean, yeah, our big men did not, you know, play well, and I think that their guys really did. So I think it was a huge reason why we lost. 
Yeah, and I'd like to see those guys just be more physical in the paint. I mean, South Florida was by far the more physical team, and, and granted, they are one of the more physical teams in the league. I mean, they, they look like, being there in person, and Menji say, they look like a football team. I mean, their guys are built, they're thick. Uh, ECU, pretty, I don't want to say small, but definitely not as big as South Florida, and I thought that played a role today. I just want to see guys like Coleman and Luigi be a little bit more assertive uh, at times they seem timid and don't want to make mistakes and don't go after the ball like they should. So uh, hope, hopefully that can clean up going forward. All right, Lee, I want to talk some big picture stuff with you. You know, ECU basketball, 7-3 on the year. Again, not a bad record at all, especially compared to maybe expectations coming in. But they're 1-3 in conference. They've lost back-to-back games to South Florida and Tulane, which are two winnable games for ECU, and, and the schedule doesn't get much easier. We'll get more into that coming up. But it seems like this team has lost its mojo. They've only played two games since um, December 22nd, which was their last win over Tulane. And so that's two games in, in more than two weeks. It just seems like this team has lost its rhythm, its mojo. How do they get it back? Uh, what are some thoughts on, on your end as far as what maybe they can do going forward to get that back? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I think for starters, the guys that have been out, um, like, so, I mean, I guess Jaden, he wasn't a hundred percent this week and, you know, with Tristan Newton now and Noah Farrakhan out, I think that getting those guys healthy and getting them back in the game, um, I think the team gets out of sorts, you know, when, you know, some of their best players are out. So I think that like one of the first steps would be making sure everybody gets healthy so everybody can be together again. Um, and so, yeah, that I think that's the first step. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is, you know, we say get everybody back, but in a year like this, I almost wonder, is this something that's going to linger the whole year, especially the COVID deal? I mean, you never know who's going to test positive or be due to contact tracing. I do think it's vital that ECU gets Tristan Newton back because I think he's a key piece. But um, And I thought Joe Dooley said it best after the game today. You, you can't use it as an excuse because you kind of – almost expect to deal with it in a year like this, the COVID protocols and, and injuries, so you almost have to overcome it. Um, but I think getting Tristan Newton back is key. Jaden has not looked 100% like, we've, uh, like we're accustomed to see him. I think that's, you know, you say getting guys back is number one. I think for me, getting Jaden back to being Jaden is maybe number two. Um, it just seems like, He's just not finishing or not getting the ball in the paint as much as we've seen in the past, and I think teams are doing some different things. And, and I think he, at times, has been a little timid because he's turning the ball over. So hopefully Jaden can get back to uh, to to being that consistent uh, piece that he's been in the past. Also, I think the three-point shooting is crucial. Uh, we touched on it earlier, 4 of 20 from three-point range today. You know, this team needs to shoot in the 30s. As far as percentage, they shot 20% today, which isn't going to get it done. And um, just find a way to play games consistently. I mean, how much does only playing twice since December 22nd hurt you? I mean, can you really stay into a rhythm when you're only playing one game a week? Uh, I I would think it hurts you a lot, and I think we're seeing that. So um, the next three games for ECU, Cincinnati, Temple, and South Florida – they go to Cincinnati on Wednesday. They play Temple at home on Saturday, January 16th, and then they go to South Florida on Wednesday, January 20th. So they'll play South Florida just in 11 days in a rematch there. But 
Uh, I think these next three games, Lee, are crucial. You know, they're one and three in conference right now. I think the next three are winnable. Um, and you can take them, you know, you can only take them one at a time, but uh, starting with Wednesday at Cincinnati, what are some of the things you want to see this team do more consistently to, to get back to that level? Um, I think definitely three point shooting, like you mentioned, I think that should definitely, um, be more consistent. Um, I think that would make a huge difference if, um, that was, if they were more consistent with that. Um, and I think, you know, we mentioned earlier with the big guys and getting rebounds, I think if they can really, you know, turn on their game, I think that would be another huge deal. So ECU at Cincinnati will be the next game, January 13th at 5 p.m. I don't know if ECU's ever won at Cincinnati uh, in my history of covering ECU basketball, but this would be the year to do it. Cincinnati, I think, is 3-6 and six heading into today's games. Uh, they've struggled, even though they are coming off a huge win over SMU. Uh, Temple at home is winnable. They barely even played this year. And then South Florida, I think we saw today, ECU is capable of beating them if they play well. So we'll see what happens. Three winnable games coming up, and then you get Memphis, UCF, Tulsa, and Houston, which is a, a murderer's row. But we'll get into that uh, when we get down the line. All right, Lee, let's dive into a couple of questions on the Hoist the Colors message board. We got one specifically for you in a couple of minutes. Uh, I got a couple of recruiting questions to answer from Berg Pirate first. Number one, he wants to know, when is Marlon Leston announcing his commitment? And for those unfamiliar, Marlon Leston is a um, a 2021 recruit for basketball who is out of Canada. He attends Halton Prep in Canada, and from per my sources, ECU sits in a really good spot uh, to get Marlon Leston's commitment. And it's a situation where I think for whatever reason he decided to delay on announcing it. I don't know a date that he is set to announce it. He was set to originally announce it early uh, in January before backing off that. But I, I, as of right now, I still feel like ECU is the odds-on favorite to land Marlon Lesson. So when we when we hear more there, we'll let you know he's a 6'9", 190-pound forward who would be the fourth commitment of the 2021 recruiting class for Joe Dooley and staff. Uh, number two, he wants to know, who do you think leaves in the offseason to make room for possibly four freshmen? So this is a, a strange offseason for ECU and every team because the seniors have an extra year of eligibility. They could all technically come back. I don't think that'll happen for me personally. You know, we know Derek Kwanzaa is no longer with the team, so that opens up one scholarship. I don't think, personally, that Tyree Jackson will be back. Um, that would be a second scholarship. And, and then from there, you know, you have to just kind of evaluate the roster. Do J.J. Miles and Batumba Rudy come back as seniors? Does Edra Luster, who hasn't played it all this year, does he really want to come back? You know, I think your most likely candidates are Jackson, Luster, and then maybe Miles James or somebody – further down the roster who maybe wants to transfer so I do expect room to be made I like this recruiting class they have good shooters they just got to get them into school and you know we'll see what happens but um it's just going to be a lot of roster turnover across the country including probably with ECU in some regard all right number three from Berg Pirates what is Lee's favorite pirate basketball memory so Lee I'll, I'll let you answer this one if you can come up with a uh, answer. Um, yeah. So when you told me this earlier, I had to think about it. <laughs> um, and so, like I said, in the last podcast, um, 
I'm mainly like a football kind of like I, I've just grown up more around football. So, I mean, obviously, ECU basketball has, you know, struggled <laughs> to be really successful. Um, I mean, since I've been paying attention, I sh- I told I said that in the last podcast, I really started getting into sports or following sports in the last few years. Um, so I had to do some thinking because we haven't really been um, super great. <laughs> And um, so um, I was thinking about last season when uh, ECU beat SMU um, at uh, Williams Arena. And I think I was working that game. But, I mean, anyway, SMU had a great record. And it was obviously an upset for us to beat them, especially in Greenville. So um, it was definitely a cool game. I think I was working that. If I wasn't working it, I was definitely there watching it. Um, So, yeah, that's what I came up with. Yeah, and that's a good answer because I'm pretty sure you did work it because I know, I know Jonathan worked a lot of the losses early, and I think you got to work a couple of the wins, so you were the good luck charm early. Maybe I should let you cover the next game uh, yeah. for ECU basketball <laughs> to see if uh, to see if they can get back in the win column. But yeah, that was an exciting game, and that was Tristan Newton who hit that three, and of course, you know they don't have his services available right now, so that's been tough. And I I just miss the fans. I mean it's. It's tough to watch these games on TV and in person with no fans. I mean, even today, there was like 50 or 100 people there. But there's just, even when ECU made a run, there's no energy. You know, Morgan Ayler's the PA guys yelling into the mic. And I feel like it should be louder than it is, but there's no fans. So, I don't know, it's kind of depressing to watch, don't you think? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, watching it on TV today, the game today, it just it's it's really quiet sounding. I mean, obviously because nobody's there, and it, yeah, it definitely feels you can just feel that there's just no energy in there without fans. So yeah, I can't I can't wait for fans to be back. Can't happen soon enough, that is for sure. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. On the other side, gonna come back and answer a lot more of your questions on the Hoist of Colors message board. We got a ton of recruiting stuff to get to, also uh, some more questions. On the other side. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to the Hoist the Colors podcast. Continuing to answer your questions here uh, on the Hoist the Colors message boards. Um, Pat72JG, he asks if we can break down what went on this week practice-wide with coronavirus Jaden Gardner's concussion protocol, etc. If we are on two plus weeks of not normal practice, only individual stations, then definitely could lead to no flow when we take the court for the game. 
you know, we don't know exactly what went on. Really, Jaden uh, helped us out in the media because we don't get to watch practice. We don't really get details on how practice is going. But um, he helped us out after the game, <clears throat> kind of took us behind the scenes and said, you know, we weren't able to practice on Friday. We had another player who tested positive, which us in the media, we don't get that information. But we can assume it was a walk-on based on the personnel that was at the game um, on Saturday because I think all the scholarship guys are there. Uh, I noticed maybe a walk-on missing. I don't want to speculate my name until I have uh, confirmation, but clearly, regardless of who it was, even if it was a manager, assistant coach, or whatever, that leads to contact tracing, close contact, um, the inability to practice as a result, as further testing is done, etc. So, Based on the fact they weren't able to practice Friday, and when we talked to Joe Dooley, I believe, on Thursday, you know, it seemed like things were, for the most part, uh, on track. No problems with testing, really, based on his comments. Uh, again, we have to read between the lines on a lot of this stuff. Um, at some point, a test came back, which led to them not being able to practice Friday as normal. And then I'm guessing that everybody tested negative, allowing them to play the game on Saturday and lose to USF. So, uh, Jaden, I assume earlier in the week, missed time with the concussion protocol, um, which must have been suffered either during the Tulane game or in practice of some sort. Uh, again, we did not, we were not informed of that. We usually aren't informed of injuries, etc. So, um, yeah, so I mean that, I, again, I don't know the exact timeline, but that's how I see it. Um, and it wasn't a normal week of practice, and I give credit to Joe Dooley. He's not going to make any excuses. He knows what this year is all about, and so, yeah, I mean, again, a difficult timeline, really. Uh, I don't th- I don't think a lot of programs are getting in normal practices, um, but this is close to two weeks of, of abnormal uh, work for ECU. You know, you mentioned the individual station practices. That's basically what has happened with ECU when they have had contact tracing or positive tests flare up, like after the Tristan Newton uh, positive test, they had to practice for several days with individuals um, spread out rather than team practice, which makes a difference. But as Joe Dooley said, they need to play more games. He doesn't think as much as practice as it is the inability right now to play games uh, due to a variety of factors. All right, moving on, ECU Jackie Moon. He asked what ECU basketball coach works directly with the bigs. Seemed like we need an upgrade there. Um, honestly, Jackie, I don't know. I, you know, when I was at practice last year, George Wright Easy worked a lot with the big guys, um, from what I could tell. You know, we don't get to watch practice at all this year. We don't get to watch practice a lot in the past. So I, I would assume uh, George has some type of work there, maybe Antoine as well. Um, but didn't see Dooley or Rock two hands on with the big guys. But, yeah, there's no doubt that <clears throat> both big guys at this point have been kind of frustrating to watch you know Luigi has been up and down Coleman um playing time has been sporadic which I think has been part of the issue but neither of those guys right now are bringing a lot to the table outside of you know some some solid defense I thought today they're not bringing any scoring rebounding is suspect you know Coleman did make a nice play defensively at one point today but for the most part those guys you know they're almost there at this point to match up with a guy like a Michael Durr for South Florida, seven-footer. But the problem is, you look at South Florida today, both of their bigs, Durr, and I can't pronounce the other guy's name, a Texas Tech transfer, both those guys are more skilled at this point 
than Coleman and Luigi. They were offensive threats. Right now, ECU is getting no offense from the bigs, and when you have a big in there, you pretty much have four on five on offense at times. So um, at some point, you would hope they would take a step forward, but we just haven't seen those guys uh, at this point progress like maybe we thought they would. And, um, it is a little bit of a disappointment. It can be frustrating to watch at times. You know, you want to see them be more physical when you're seven foot, you know, 240 pounds. It just seems like they're very timid. Um, so I, I don't know. They're going to have to continue to work with those guys. Maybe as the conference season goes on, they get more reps against people their size. Uh, their play will improve. Number two from ECU, Jackie Moon. Do you see them pushing out a few players to try and upgrade the basketball roster with new guys? Um, he's thinking Miles James, Luster, etc. You know, a lot of it depends on how the rest of the season goes. If ECU finishes with another poor record in American Athletic Conference play, Joe Dooley at that point will be going into year four. Um, there will be some urgency to win at that point in league play. I mean, year three, this is a year unlike any other, but I think people want to see results now in year three. He's got all of his guys in. So I think if it, if it continues to trend down or, you know, average in conference play, I think you'll see some changes made to the roster to upgrade athleticism and shooting. Um, you know, if the Pirates continue to play well, you know, they could still make a few changes, but you probably won't see as much roster overall. I mean, you want continuity, but you also have to have talent to compete in this league. And, you know, at times, ECU still feels outmanned. So I do think you'll see some guys change places on the roster to potentially make room for it. You know, a transfer to Dooley has not been able to really take a transfer these last few years due to the APR situation. I think you'll see him take take one if, if, if there's a fit uh, this offseason. Number three from ECU Jackie Moon, are you surprised we lost the main offensive lineman to Texas State, a Sunbelt team? He's talking about Liam Dobson, the uh, main offensive line transfer. You know, I'll be, I'll be pretty honest. I was shocked to see him go to Texas State. Of all the schools showing interest, Texas State seemed like an incredibly odd fit. I don't know if there's a family tie down there or what. I haven't looked into it, to be honest, at this point. But he's from Canada. Uh, he played at Maine. ECU's in a bigger conference. Texas State is not a perennial power. I don't know what happened there, to be honest. So, yes, I, I am surprised. Um, maybe there's some type of personal situation where that led him to Texas. Maybe he has a girlfriend down there or knows somebody. I don't know. I mean, honestly, it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, he was a guy ECU targeted and really wanted from what I could gather. So a little surprised to see that happen. Um, but there will be more guys in the portal. He was one, though, that uh, was kind of a head-scratcher. Um, number four, can you tell the Scotty Montgomery filming practice story? All right, so it was Scotty Montgomery's first spring practice. And under rough, you know, they let me go out there and shoot a lot of practice. And, um, you know, I, sh I shouldn't say a lot, but the first 30 minutes, they pretty much let us shoot whatever I wanted to shoot, regardless of what it was. And, you know, we just couldn't put in when Lincoln or any of those guys were calling out specific plays. We had to take that out. Um, so, but for under Mo, I did the same thing. We were allowed the first 30 minutes of practice or first 45 minutes. I don't remember the exact uh, scenario, but um, we were allowed that. And so I went out there and shot it just like normal. And under rough, I would shoot the players going through position drills, and I would um, list their names 
and you know just list what position drill was and list each player as they come up you know as, as they hit the pad etc list who they are um you know like outside linebacker Dayon Pratt outside linebacker Giannis Bowden etc as they come up and go through the drill and so I did this under Mo and I guess he uh, got eyes on the practice video we put on YouTube or on the site and all of a sudden got a call one day um from a staffer and ECU's uh, coaching staff, a support guy that I had a good relationship with, and, and his number was calling me, and I answered the phone expecting to hear his voice, but it was uh, it was Smitty, who was Scotty Moe's director of operations at the time, and he says, Stephen, uh, Scotty's got something to say to you, um, and he was asking me, I don't want to you know replay the word-for-word conversation, but I was kind of taken aback because he was calling on another person's phone. I guess he had just taken it out of his hand and it called to get my number uh, from this person to try and figure out what was going on. And he, long story short, um, I was talking back and forth with Smitty about taking the video, what I'd done in the past. Uh, you know, why can't I do it anymore? And, you know, we're kind of going back and forth. And all of a sudden in the background, I hear Scotty Moe say something over the speakerphone because the whole time apparently I was on speakerphone and didn't know it and Scotty says something to the effect of you, you can't be doing that Stephen this is a competitive advantage for opponents to watch practice and see our kids go through position drills and, I, and I'm saying you know I understand if you're going through plays or good on good and you're able to see actual plays but a guy going through a position position drill hitting a donut I don't see what that has to do with it being a competitive advantage. I don't think any other team out there is going to go through and analyze each player's tendencies one by one and, and make a scouting report or make a big deal about it. So um, we kind of went back and forth, and there were some, you know, words said. Eventually I was, you know, new staff. I, I said, okay, you know, I won't shoot it that way anymore. And from then on we didn't really get a chance to do um, much practice video. And still to this day it's been kind of shut down, which has been limited across the country so um yeah so that, that, that's basically what it is I mean I could tell you the off the record version which would be more entertaining but I just thought it was kind of funny that um you know their director of ops at the time who I had a great relationship with later on he snatched the phone of somebody else on the support staff right out of his hand went through his phone found my number called me on his phone and um you know kind of caught me off guard it was just a really odd situation and then Mo was in the background listening on the speakerphone the whole time. So it was just really strange. I would rather Scotty Bo just have reached out to me personally rather than go through that whole ordeal. But that's just kind of how that regime was. Again, I got along great with Scotty. As time went on, have no ill will towards him um, and, and hope he bounces back from being let go at Maryland. Uh, lastly, Jonathan Wagner, uh, he has a question. He wants to know who my ideal target to replace Byron Thweed is as the defensive ends coach. Um, so a couple things here, you know, it's been tough to get a ton of info on who ECU is targeting um, in, in regards to specific names, um, but I do know that the plan is to hire a defensive end slash outside linebackers coach to replace uh, Byron Thweet, who uh, ECU let go uh, a week ago. Mike Houston decided to go in a different direction there. You know, first off, before I get into specific guys I would like to see brought in, I think this was a move from what I can understand 
you know, Byron Thweet, he was a he was a solid coach, solid recruiter, but I don't think he was the perfect fit for Blake Carroll's staff. You know, Byron Thweet is more of an inside linebackers coach. He's more of a guy that has done that. He played that position. He's coached that position the majority of his career. And I think they just tried to make it work by sliding him to defensive ends and special teams coordinator. And really, the, the special teams was the entire staff um, job. So I think this was a situation where they tried to make it work for a year. You know, the defensive ends were up and down. They decided to go in a different direction to try and upgrade and really develop some of those young young edge rushers. Uh, I don't think it's anything personal between, you know, the coaching staff and Byron Thweet. Um, but they just wanted to go in a different direction there. So with that said, I would think you would want somebody who has familiarity with Blake Carroll or at least Mike Houston. I do know that there's a couple of guys who Coach Houston and Blake Carroll have in mind. We'll see if it plays out that way. You know, I haven't um, heard who those names are. You know, one person who just seems like an obvious fit is Rico Zachary, defensive ends coach at Kennesaw State. He came on Blake Carroll's staff uh, ahead of the 2019 season. They had a huge season um, with uh, 104 tackles for loss to rank in the top 10 in the country. You know, it's the same scheme, so he's familiar with the scheme. He's a young coach, was the former head coach at Central Carroll High School in Carrollton, Georgia. Took a pretty down program and turned it into a winner. He's got coach. He's got recruiting connections throughout Georgia. He's a young, personable coach. He knows the stuff. I was watching some videos online. So Rico Zachary honestly makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's familiar with Blake Carroll. Uh, he knows Mike Houston. They have a little bit of a history together as well. So to me, um, he makes almost perfect sense. And we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition. Now, from talking with sources in the industry, I know uh, former ECU defensive line coach Mark Yellock really wants the job. Uh, he's now at Valdosta State. He would love to come back to ECU. Uh, I personally would love to see him come back because I think nobody loves this place more than Mark Yellock. I don't know if it'll happen. Um, I don't know if he's been contacted or if there's really a connection between him and Coach Houston. I just know the guy. You know, He, he knows how to coach quality defensive linemen, and he loves ECU. So, I mean, by default, I think he's a solid candidate. And I think there are other guys that we haven't mentioned on the board that are in play as well so if we hear any new names we'll let you know um but that is a good question Jonathan I mean I do think Rico Zachary makes a lot of sense but again Mike Houston Blake Carroll trust them they know what they need more than me and more than anybody else uh and I expect them to hire the right guy just like they did with Steve Ellis uh who looks like a home run hire all right appreciate everybody's questions jumping back into basketball and wrapping up the show and ECU going to take on Cincinnati on Wednesday night. And this is a, you know, it's a winnable game on paper for East Carolina as we uh, conclude answering your questions on our podcast, moving on to the, the next game for ECU. Uh, January 13th, ESPN Plus will, tele- will televise the game at Cincinnati, 5 p.m. tip-off, so a little awkward early tip-off time in the COVID era. But, uh, Lee, this, is a, this has been a historically tough venue to play for East Carolina, I don't think they've ever won there. What do you want to see from this team, whether whether they win or lose, what a win would mean? I don't know what direction you want to take this, but what do you really want to see on Wednesday night to see the Pirates get their mojo back? Uh, yeah, like I said um, earlier, 
I think that being more consistent with um, three-pointers, um, I think that would make a huge difference. And like you said earlier, I think if Jaden Gardner got back on back to his usual level, um, I think that that would make a huge difference. Obviously, he's a huge team leader. So if he's able to um, – you know, play like he's been playing in the past few seasons where he's really, really on top of his game. I think that would make a huge difference. And I think if, if we were to win at Cincinnati, I think obviously that'd be huge for the program since you think that um, we haven't won there ever. Or if we have, it's been a very long time. So, yeah, I think it'd be super exciting if we were able to pull off that win. Yeah, we can only hope. And uh, this team is due for some good luck. Hopefully it happens. On Wednesday night at Cincinnati, we'll have another podcast probably after that game or later on in the week. But, uh, Lee, it's been fun to have you back on the Hoist of Colors podcast, and we look forward to having you again down the line, and hopefully we can get you and Minji soon to, to cover some games. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely. That is intern Lee, and that'll do it for our Hoist of Colors podcast. Appreciate everybody for their questions and for listening As always, we'll be back with you after the Cincinnati game. You've been listening to the Hoist the Colors podcast. moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.